Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. The president addressed the nation today, confirming aliens from another world have landed in Derry. While he stated they were not hostile, their one-star Yelp review calling Dysart's dry farts leads locals to believe otherwise. You are listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, CM Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. What up, constant readers? And today we are finishing part three, the final part of Dreamcatcher, which was a Patreon selection by Lisa Kahn, and Josh is leading our discussion. I sure am. And to kick things off, very important question. If you guys had to raw dog your favorite food... (laughs) Eating wise, what would it be? Wait, you can't just words have meaning, <laughs> no, Josh. No, like we uh, we see him eat a raw bacon sandwich. If you had to eat your favorite food raw, what food would you raw dog? Raw dog has a <laughs> nah, con- connotation. Nah, man. I don't think it does. I got it. All right, butter. <laughs> <laughs> You just eat a, a stick of butter. For my my great grandma was from Missouri, and she used to make a snack called butter sandwiches <laughs> that was just uh, butter with sugar on it. Oh my god! On bread. <laughs> um, <laughs> grandma was the, an angel yeah. and a devil. <laughs> you haven't the slightest. Ben, oh god, the idea of eating anything raw oh i guess peanut butter no not your i didn't say what's your favorite raw food i said if you had to eat your favorite food but in its raw form what would it be i guess peanut butter because that's just peanuts (laughs) i just eat a bunch of peanuts and these are thwart you (laughs) these are the i don't know what this boring answer is i've ever heard it would be tacos It'd be raw. To, just, it'd just be bloody just the, meat raw tacos. The, just the separate by ground. Just yeah, just ground beef slapped on a cold taco shell. Yes. Like if you if you oh, basically it's like if you were making at the grocery with store. Chorizo and <laughs> the veggies and cheese would be good, but yeah, yeah. J- just the thought of eating any meat raw is disgusting <laughs> to me. Although if you liked sushi, this would be a very easy question. <laughs> oh shit! I love sushi. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Pause for editing. No, Uh, keep talking. So you can't edit it. Uh, Sushi is my first answer and my only answer. Thought of that all on my own. So good. Fantastic. Well, uh, the reason I ask is because we're about to find out that uh, Mr. Gray has a new favorite food. Bacon. What is it? 2010? Come on. I I love that he interrupts his own monologue with the word bacon. (laughs) I assumed that that wasn't him uh, interrupting. It was Duddits shooting the word bacon at him. Right, but in my head it played out (laughs) that way. I have to, if only I could get, uh, I'm so far away bacon that I I have to get there first bacon. (laughs) That's how I uh, think. I'm making good time. <laughs> oh my god! What did you guys think about the uh, Jonesy Gray scene in the diner? Okay, question Just for you kicking guys. Kicking it off because Jonesy is trying not to act suspicious 
because he's like, oh, don't tip her too much because then you'll stand out. So just tip her 15%. And then immediately after that, he's like, gosh, I just wish there was some way that I could indicate to her subtly without Mr. Gray knowing that something's off and to remember him. Maybe by leaving like a $30 tip. <laughs> yeah. That really would have been an, a much easier. Instead of, yeah, telling her Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Thanksgiving. Or making him mispronounce pancakes Cake over pans. and over. <laughs> Equally hilarious, though. The, uh, there are so many things. Now, I hadn't thought of that, but there are so many things you can do. Why couldn't he just like make him yell everything he said? <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Like no volume control. Yeah, absolutely no volume like, when control. When you're in a diner, you have to yell. At, well, that's <laughs> a good point. We, we didn't even recap where we're at in the story. There's no time. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> There's no time. We, we're being chased. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to point out the um, we have a very important piece of information. This is mostly important for CM uh, that we learn in this part of this opening part of the book a uh, quote from the book puns are what we call the lowest form of humor i stopped reading after Mo- that. <laughs> <laughs> uh moving on this is this is the kind of like the last real pause we get before the rest of this book is essentially a big chase movie mm-hmm. yep so we have henry and owen who steal a humvee by projecting kurtz's voice into these four soldiers Despite the fact that they don't realize they're getting it in their head? Well, neither did the guy when he was helping Jonesy start the snowmobile or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. That was just normal to him in that moment. And then he kind of came to afterwards and was like, oh, that was weird. So maybe there's like a certain like delay after? I don't know. Yeah, the effectiveness of the telekinesis just varies so wildly (laughs) from one moment to the next for the rest of the book. (laughs) Like... One second, everyone's still, like, communicating half telepathically, and then they're like, oh, the virus is is leaving us, so, like, I can't do that anymore. Except for when they're like, oh, but I try really hard, and I do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the powers, if they weren't confusing before, they've definitely become confusing now. <laughs> so they now have a Humvee to get away in, which is great. Uh, and then we check back in with Kurtz, who is delivered some prisoners uh, because some of the soldiers we know have turned and joined the escapees trying to get away from the camp. And it's revealed that Perlmutter is now uh, a captive. Mm. Basically, he's a hound dog now. I felt bad for him. Yeah, I do like this, how they set this up, that you need two people to, like, boost your signal, basically. Mm -hmm. Which makes Perlmutter essentially their, yeah, like you said, a pet bloodhound that they are using to psychically sniff out Owen and, to a lesser extent, the dog that Jonesy's carrying around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor Lad. I I think of all the characters I feel bad for, Lad is yeah. the one that I feel the worst for the rest of this book. My favorite part about the all of the scenes with Pearly and Kurtz is just how angry he gets with Kurtz. And Kurtz, you know, <laughs> historically, he probably would not have tolerated that. But Pearly is not afraid because he has nothing to lose. And Kurtz is just like, it's okay, man. We'll get through it. <laughs> he's such a good villain. I, he is. He really is. Because every time you think, all right, he's about to lose his shit, he does a little bit. And then he backs off. 
And then he goes apeshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's at the point where his insanity has completely engulfed him. Mm-hmm. There, he's no longer, like, throughout the first two-thirds of the book, he's had at least the veneer of, you know, the professional army man. He has a mission that he's carrying out. Yes. And I think it's at this point he gets the code word. Uh, yes. Blue, what is it? Blue Friday. Um, or blue whatever. home, I think. Yeah. Whatever it is, the code word that says we're done, pull out. And he. <laughs> I, it's speaking of connotations. Words mean things, Ben. Abort the mission. Yes. So he completely ignores it. He he goes completely AWOL and takes Freddie and Pearlmutter with him. And who's the other guy? Cambry. Cambry. We didn't really get to know him. No, this is pretty much the only stuff we get of him is him being a prisoner of Kurtz. Yeah, he's infected. But he was also a soldier. But not like Pearly is. Yeah. Not with the parasite. And then we jump back. Now that we have Kurtz's new mission, of course, being find and punish Owen, because that's his sole purpose for existing now, (laughs) it seems like. So why do you think that is? It's because he he disobeyed him and he didn't see it coming. It's a I, pride thing, I think. It's it's pride and ego. I think it is standing for his being replaced. Kurtz is afraid of his career ending because this career is all he is. He He's the big, scary military man. And he says, like, in this part, he's like, oh, this is my last mission. But before this, we kind of get the feeling that he's, like, near retirement anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think it's he sees Owen as he says himself the most likely replacement of his and the fact that he dared show any disrespect gave him the excuse to take out the guy that is the new him. So it's like the Owen we knew Owen was threatening kind of his legacy as it was but now his own quote unquote legacy fully disrespected him and abandoned him. Yes. I love that. This is one of the most, the villains with the most pathos of any book that we've read. (laughs) Like, so many King villains are just like, I'm a monster, or I'm just crazy. (laughs) But I love Kurtz as a villain so much. (laughs) He's so good. He's so crazy. Yeah. He, He can grow and adapt to whatever situation is in front of him, and he does it almost seamlessly. Meanwhile, the other villain we have, Mr. Gray, learns basic basic mathematics and pooping, (laughs) which I love that he finds it as unpleasant as I'm sure we all do. Everybody poops, Mr. Gray. He's he's at least uh, getting all of the really important things out of the way. Pooping and bacon. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the way it's mirroring how we learn as babies. We learn math, pooping. (laughs) When he first Sorry to go back to this, but when he first eats bacon, like he tries eggs first and then he has bacon. I was also intrigued and I was super on board because I like watching people eat. And when he was like thinking of it as flesh and almost being alive, it really put me over the edge. It was <laughs> oh, very upsetting. The, when he eats the raw bacon oh. and is thinking it's almost alive, it's yeah. cold, but it's almost alive. We'll get to it, but that's scary. <laughs> Scary. The fact that it made it better. It's the scariest thing that Mr. Gray has done. Yes. Yeah. And he does some horrifying things. Mm -hmm. While he is distracted, while Mr. Gray is distracted with his food, 
we get another glimpse of Jonesy inside his tracker brother's office and he has a phone and he decides, fuck it, let's give it a shot and calls 1-800-HENRY <laughs> and it rings, which is great because that's how his brain works. We cut to Henry, who is still more than an hour outside of Derry, and he's dreaming about Josie Rinkenhauer. Let's talk about the Josie Rinkenhauer story. So this is a flashback to the time they found this missing girl, Josie, who went to the same school as Duddits and had a crush on him. Just a very friendly girl would always say hi to all of them. It's very cute, honestly. Yeah, very, very cute. And everybody, like all the parents, are at Duddits' house and they are trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to create like a search party and everything and, and just keep the search for her going. Side note, fuck Henry so much because he's like, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Where he reflects that, well, nobody really cared because she's not a typically developed young woman. She, you know, wasn't like everyone else. So Henry, the professional psychologist, everyone. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. The boys are messing around after graduation, and all of a sudden, Pete, he's looking at this missing poster for Josie, and he just gets this feeling or sees the line or or something Mm -hmm. kind of in that vein, and they realize they can find her. And so they, you know, they go grab Duddits, and they go to this park where these kids are playing soccer or something, and everybody's ignoring them. And they find this this like entrance to the underground sewage system that has been in a bunch of other stuff. And they're the whole time they're following the line, and it's really cool because Owen is there too. He's like mm-hmm. seeing yeah. it happen. It's and you think that it's because Henry because of the telepathic connection that it's because he's projecting that memory like on accident into Owen's head. Mm-hmm. But later we find out that Duddit sees him and he makes a very interesting comment that kind of goes back to the discussion we've been having throughout each of these episodes. And that's the part that I thought was really awesome that he's that he's there seeing this. But the sweetest part is that they find Josie and she is alive And they rescue her and they bring her back home to her parents. But I just want to talk forever about is that and everything else that we've talked about with this, like uh, Jonesy's flashback to his accident when he saw Duddits there. Mm -hmm. Is that a time thing? Like if they had turned around when they were kids, would they have seen Owen there? Because like that's how Jonesy saw Duddits when he got hit by the car. Because like he because later Jonesy thinks Duddits was there the whole time. Right. Like he clarifies that it's not an inserted memory. He was just there, but he didn't see him the first time. Mm-hmm. I think that, cause I, I think only, only Duddit sees Owen in when they're kids and they're looking over. I don't think anyone, but Duddit's can see people or be seen or be seen at the time they're actually in. But time you know it goes back to uh you know let's just talk about it now because it's gonna we're gonna get into how confusing it is later but duddits is the dream catcher mm-hmm. which means nothing which means absolutely nothing well that's time that's why i think that because time is you know we perceive it of course as linear but it's not linear right think of the strings along a dream catcher you can get anywhere from anywhere and and we see that in the coolest part of the book. My yeah. favorite part of the book is when uh, Jonesy is running through the Dreamcatcher, and it's just an unconnected. It's it's times and people mm-hmm. all meshed together. 
so cool. Such a cool sequence. But the phrase, Duddits, you're our dream catcher, means nothing. <laughs> However, something to point out. So we know that Owen has been seen in it. And Mr. Gray has been seen in it. Those are the two outstanding people not in this core group mm-hmm. who have been seen. However, that means Duddits, if Duddits is the dream catcher, he can see and interact with anybody who has also been telepathically linked with those four people. Mm-hmm. We can see Owen and Mr. Gray because Jonesy has linked with Mr. Gray and Henry has linked with Owen. Mm-hmm. They have been now built into the dream catcher one willingly and one not so much sure (laughs) Uh, my i had a question about the josie scene though sure yeah was anyone else expecting because this is happening two years or i think if i remember correctly like two years before the collapse three years three Three years years before before the collapse of the sewers under dairy so pennywise is active right he's sleeping He's sleeping. Okay. I forgot the rules of Pennywise. Because I thought at any second it was going to be like in the darkness of the sewers. A clown peeked out (laughs) and saw them. But they were glowing and following a line. So he got scared and ran away. (laughs) I was expecting that and I was getting pre-mad about it. It's such a dumb scene that I invented in my own head. (laughs) That I got mad at myself. It's like when you have a bad dream about someone and you wake up and you're mad (laughs) at them even though you know better. Yeah, I I made up a story so dumb that I got mad at Stephen King. Well, we already, we got that in Tommyknockers. We got the clown... Oh, when he's yeah. driving through Derry. So maybe he was like, oh, I did it in Tommy Knockers, and this is also aliens. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, I absolutely. don't I don't want to completely derail. Yeah, this it, episode. I feel yeah. like it's too Good late. Luck. Well, I've just been thinking about it's so interesting that Jonesy is the one who has taken in Mr. Gray, and Henry is the one left to chase and to try to save people. And who kind of has to stay alive longer than he originally intended Mm -hmm. to go on this journey. And I'm, I just kept thinking about what kind of book this would be if their two roles were swapped. What would Henry do confronted with having this alien being inside of him if he had no will to live anyway? I fight. Have a very, I have because I had the same thought and I have a thought on it, but I think we have to get to the end of the book first. We'll save it. All right. We we finally got the reveal. Josie, but you're back in the present because as this dream that Henry's been having, remembering all of this, uh, a phone rings in his head. <laughs> and because now we have the, the phone call connection, magical mind stuff, which is the subtitle of this book, I believe. <laughs> yeah. And Henry answers it by holding a Glock to his ear <laughs> like a phone. <laughs> Which, not the way he had envisioned holding a Glock to his head, I bet. <laughs> hey Yikes. Uh, Jonesy fills Henry in on everything that has been happening, and that's when Kurtz radios their Humvee to basically say, Hey, I've got Cambry and Perlmutter here, Freddy's driving us, and we're gonna catch you and fuck your shit up. So pleasant about it, too. Right. <laughs> and this is the moment that Kurtz really takes that next step of he finally admits that this situation is gotten fully out of his control 
He is used to being the guy in charge. People will do whatever he says. And now no one but Freddy seems to be able to follow a goddamn command. (laughs) And it is making him so angry. Well, and he's having those weird dick dreams about Owen. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? (laughs) There are a lot of weird dicks in this. The Keep dream, talking. I, dream, <laughs> did I miss something? The dream is this that, a fan fiction version? Yeah, of that? God, that Kurtz has, and it, it might be just a little bit after this one that he's had as a kid, a recurring dream. He's being chased by something. Oh yeah, and but this time it's Owen. But he reflects that he'd always wake up with a stiffy. <laughs> That's right. I did forget about that. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> CM and never forgets a stiffy. Um, (laughs) don't say that I'm just saying what you said (laughs) no you're not I'm saying exactly play it it back (laughs) revisit in the booth there is something I don't know if is it just me something really satisfying about a person who has always been in control really fucking losing control Mm -hmm. it is great to watch (laughs) he is talking all this shit Owen tells him uh, Owen's basically the one who tells him your mission is redundant. This was going to be over no matter what you did. You didn't do anything and you're not doing anything. Essentially calling Kurtz impotent. Yeah, that's the way to handle Kurtz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that he can't talk anymore, he pulls out the radio and destroys it so that Kurtz can't contact them anymore. But it's the very next moment that I thought was important because Cambry tells him because they're linked with the virus. He says everything he just said is true. It's mm-hmm. it's over. And Kurtz shoots him in the head. Yeah. Sitting yeah. next to him in a Humvee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just, it's so, any character that you are in danger just being next to. And I, I love what happens right after that because he's sort of being a dick about it which is really saying something after you just shoot someone <laughs> mercilessly like that. But he's commenting, I think it's to Pearl, Pearly, like, oh, you know, you guys think you know everything, but you didn't see that coming, did you? And Pearl Mother's like, yeah, you can't read someone who themselves are so crazy, they don't know what they're going to do next. It's a wonderful quote about insanity. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, we jump back to Gray still pooping, <laughs> in case you forgot. <laughs> And uh, as he walked into the bathroom, he passed uh, a state patrolman and Jonesy's been kind of freaking out about it. The patrolman comes into the bathroom. Why? I don't. I was. Why did you? Why did he go into the bathroom to ask him for his license and registration? Yeah. Did he do anything in the diner to draw attention? He mispronounced pancakes. Eh. I don't think that's illegal. I I don't think that's illegal in Maine, but I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) This was kind of a scary scene, though. It's very tense Mm -hmm. up to the point where he uh, breaks the no, he makes the officer break his own skull open. I I just thought it was written effectively because Jonesy's been telegraphing Mm -hmm. that this is going to happen. And so you're like, no, please, please don't make it happen. And he's about to ask him for his license and registration. And instead, yeah, just starts beating his head against the wall until he's dead. Now. I understood it when he could control the other soldiers because everybody's been around stuff. I wasn't sure why he was able to just fully telepathically control the patrolman. Right. Unless he was like actively giving off spores, which we know he's not. Well, it's 
I know why, but it's a big spoiler. <laughs> Do we want to get into it? Do you, should, should I just Do, spoil it? Yeah, he can right. control the officer without the officer being infected by the virus because Mr. Gray isn't real. Because he's not the virus at all. It's just Jonesy. Um, And Jonesy apparently is much more powerful than uh, we are led to believe. That is true. So all of the powers we've seen Gray use, Jonesy had those inside him. Yes. That's what I believe. I don't know why, but I thought you were going to, and that makes total sense. I thought you were going to say that in Jonesy's brain, you know, he created what Mr. Gray looks like and essentially is. Mm Mm-hmm. And we find out at the very end he doesn't exist. But I thought you were going to say that Jonesy physically did it and he just, in his head, sees it playing out as oh, a telepathic like a event. malignant? Yeah, <laughs> Like it did a malignant? Said spoiler Spoilers. alert for malignant. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That Sorry, is, spoiler alert, spoiler alert I, for the dark half. I don't think you can spoil that movie anymore. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Stephen King says it's brilliant. Because he wrote the dark half, which is what the movie is. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, he takes oh the state trooper's <laughs> keys and is going to take the, the officer's car, which I feel like is a worse choice as far as vehicles to travel in a snowstorm. But who am I to judge? I feel oh. like police cars probably have to be really good in the snow. I mean, I would I guess I assume it is Maine. It probably has like snow tires and stuff. So, yeah, maybe it's not too far gone. Uh, and now Gray senses that he has pursuers on his tail. We jump back to Owen and Henry because now that Owen caught most of the Josie story, but Henry now awake decides to fill him in, but fills him in still being telepathic. And this is the one we find out that none of the guys came to Alfie's funeral. I hated that. I am so mad at them. I have a best friend who, you know, we kind of went separate ways, but not, Mm. you know, as amicable. We just had different life paths. Yeah, you drift apart. Yeah. And when one of her parents passed away, I went to the funeral. I wouldn't have even dreamed of not going. If if somebody's that important to you. Even if you're not close anymore, you you, you know that damage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, later on, once they they finally pick up Duddits, like or no, it's right here. Uh, before they reach Duddits, they have this conversation where Henry gets super defensive about all of this, where mm-hmm. he obviously hates himself. Yeah, for this. And Us good. too. Yeah, because yeah. he he goes off. He's like, oh well, so what? Yeah, we grew up and we. We stopped hanging out with our uh, mascot, basically. Someone that they did not see as a person. Their their manic pixie special friend. It sucks. This, I love this fight because Henry's being just such a supreme douche. Like, worse than Mr. Gray. <laughs> and, and Owen, full stop, slams on the brakes and he's yeah. like, Fuck you, you stupid piece of <laughs> Which shit. Which is amazing. They're in the middle of a chase, and Owen stops <laughs> to be like, you're being a fucking piece of shit. And Henry's like, no one's ever talked to me this way. <laughs> yeah. How uh, how come, you idiot? That's so. And then they get into a little argument and tell each other. Both <laughs> Which of- is the, the argument being, <laughs> fuck your mother and die. No, you fuck your mother and die. All right. How about I fuck your mother and die and you fuck my mother and die? It's very Superman Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you say that name? <laughs> Good job, Josh. Thanks. 
<laughs> ben looks disappointed. Ben, I've never. I've seen Ben look disappointed in me a number of times in the three years we've been doing this podcast. That was one of them. <laughs> I, but I do. The one thing that I do understand with Henry's frustration is they've been given this amazing power and they have only used it to find a lost girl and kill a bully. And that seems like a real waste. Yes. Yes, it, it kind of is. <laughs> but also, you were children. They when should that be working like, with every police station <laughs> in the country and you, beyond. The the fact that this isn't a book about a team of four super vigilantes <laughs> is such a disappointment. Well, but that goes back to our <gasps> first discussion about its angels. Oh my god. <laughs> about these four characters being flawed and not being like not not quite being our good guys. Mm-hmm. Is it also dairy yes i think so which oh damn this is something that i don't think in in the universe of dairy is made and maybe it's more subtle maybe it is there but it's made overt in eleven twenty two sixty three that dairy has an effect on people and their lives which and is so shit. cool. I, I mean, didn't nope. even think of that. Yeah. Which is the one piece of leeway I cut about them not going to Alfie's funeral is the that that thing that it makes just, you not want to go back. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They never forgot because I take 10 they still had duddits and that kept them yeah. connected uh, even if they weren't in contact anymore. But it's still dairy. Dairy doesn't let good things happen in it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. That wrinkled my brain. (laughs) That's crazy. At this point, uh, Owen and Henry have reached Duddits's house and Henry knocks on the door and Roberta, as we mentioned last episode, had this nightmare about Pete and Beaver as dead children coming to collect Duddits. So Mm -hmm. she is she's going to ignore the knock at the door, but Duddits is not having it. Duddits sprints through the house. To get to the door because he is so excited. And the way Henry sees Duddits for the first time, seeing him sick and coming back to it. Ben, we talked about this uh, during mm-hmm. the, the Rinkenhauer accident, the port tube in his chest mm-hmm. that we that he saw it back then with all of this time junk. What does that mean? <laughs> I just I wonder Which, I wonder why in this dream because well, they didn't see Duddits as older they saw him still as a kid but he had the the, the leukemia yeah. port cath in his chest I wonder well, what oh, significance that is because he has been crying out for help to them since so, he's been sick but since time is not linear that includes what we perceive as the past so even then he was calling out to them and they were ignoring him. Yeah, it seems because uh, later on, once they start running on the dream catcher, Jonesy and Henry. why did I want to call him Mitch? What's wrong <laughs> with me? <laughs> what? We haven't even said the name Mitch. It's been a long time since I've gotten a name wrong on this podcast. I, I feel like I was due for a big one. Yeah, that, that's a big one. <laughs> and... Um, Oh my God, how did I do it again? Henry, uh, are running on the Dreamcatcher, they also revert back to their childhood self. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just an effect of the nebulousness of this telepathic communication. Fucking time's weird, man. <laughs> Henry sees Roberta, and that's when they find out that nine months ago, Duddits was diagnosed with leukemia. 
and he is nearing the end of his life. Dudit says, same shit, different day, and Henry cries forever. CM, you said something in the first episode of Dreamcatcher about that being an important phrase. This is the only time I thought that phrase was important to anything ever. Yeah, I misremembered that. (laughs) (laughs) But you did remind me of something else I wanted to quickly divert to. Sure. I wish that Owen was one of our group and not Henry. Yeah, Owen is a way better character. Owen is a good character. He's a good person, except for his weird plate boners. Because he's not from Derry. I know. I'm just <laughs> saying it. It's he. It's just the way he fits in with everything and falls in with them and seems even connected to Duddits, like, instantly. And, of course, he's been part of these visions now, too, so maybe that's part of it. But the whole time, I'm just like, Owen deserves to walk away from this. Well, you know what? I, I Owen's a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. I, I will be remembering Owen come Christmas time. Is all <laughs> I think if we're playing the game of swapping characters, this book doesn't work with Henry in the oh, place no, of I'm Owen. Ju- I'm just saying like emotionally for my heart. <laughs> <laughs> we quick flashback to uh, the Kurtz vehicle. And uh, this is when we get the uh, it's blue exit. Blue exit Mm, is when he gets the call that the mission's over and they have wrangled a plow into plowing the road for them so they can speed up and catch up. Hmm. My note says pearly farts, the fartiest fart Uh, because we're not done with that. Every section, (laughs) every time we go back, something about farts. So I'm, I'm all I'm saying is I'm glad we haven't talked about it because we got tired of talking about it. But I want to make sure our listeners know it never stops. <laughs> it never stops forever. We, we should mention uh, it's happened throughout all of this. The other thing that just goes on forever, which is just characters wandering out loud where everyone else is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so much of this last third of the book that is just, every time it switches between one of the three groups, they have to restate where the others are in relation to the others. Yeah. And it's so annoying. By the end of the chapter, the chase ends. I was so sick and tired of my spatial awareness of these six characters only only because it'd be like if this book was about a race you would need to understand where everyone was how far behind people are but the positions of this chase never change (laughs) it is first second and third all the way to the finish line it's like a weird reversal of what we usually get with something working not so well on screen versus in paper. Mm-hmm. This is a great chase scene on the screen. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to well, guess I, that you are misremembering that no, as well. I, I, I'm not I'm saying <laughs> no. I'm saying that metaphor like this. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Were, were the it movie translated that well. this way, yeah. it would play better on screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kurtz pulls a gun on this poor plow driver to make him continue plowing for them. Uh classic you know, Kurtz got a Kurtz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is when we find out that Pearly reports back that he says they're talking to the mother. But he can't read the other guy. And that's when we find out that nobody else can get a read on Duddits. Mm. And <laughs> what? I'm so ashamed of the thought I just had. <laughs> say it and then cut it. No, don't say it. It's very Edward and Bella. Oh, no. <laughs> get gross. out. Yeah, I'm sorry. Bye, guys. <laughs> Duddits is a vampire, though. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, th- But this is the important part about this is that while 
Pearlie can read this because he's growing a shit weasel. Freddy can't anymore because Kurt's shot out a window. So the cold air has been getting into the Humvee and Kurtz can see that what was like growing out of his ear is now turning white and flaky and falling apart. Now Kurtz knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, everything Owen said is true. Mm -hmm. So of course he changes his mind. (laughs) Just kidding. Kurtz got a Kurtz. (laughs) (laughs) If anything else, it makes him double down. Yeah. That Owen found out first and now he has to double kill him. Yeah. At a certain point, it, just goes from I have to maintain some sense of power. And the only way I can possibly regain power in this situation is murder. Mm-hmm. Now, this scene, this next scene, is kind of my favorite in the book. And it's so stupid because <laughs> it's so short. We go back to Blue Base and we see what's happening there because. Kate Gallagher, who is the new commander of Imperial Valley, is overlooking all of the corpses of all these people. They're they're putting their like driver's licenses and stuff on them, tagging their bodies. They've killed 60 percent of the escapees, which amounts to if the number they said were in the breakout is accurate. They've killed 180 people. McAvoy, who is another soldier, comes to debrief Gallagher on the kills. And that's when shit goes down. A group of a dozen men and two women emerge from the woods and blast them away with automatic rifles. Emil Brodsky, our guy who got read to figure out how to get the snowmobile to work, is leading the charge and fucking slaughters all these people. It was very short, but it was a nice bit of closure that I was was happy to have. Yeah, I thought it was really weird really (laughs) it felt so out like yeah it's closure for like there are all of these people left what happened to them but it's not i didn't feel it necessary to the story and civilian uprising (laughs) is a pretty big thing to gloss over i just i I like that they they take them out take their weapons and then brodsky is like you guys want to walk to Canada? Because that's where I'm headed. And like this this new militia under Emil Dog Brodsky uh, heads out. And the reason I love it so much is because that's the moment that occurred to me. No one else knows all the stuff that we know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, to them, every, all they know is what's been reported. We didn't even mention this. <laughs> what has been reported because in this book, canonically, George W. Bush <laughs> tells everyone that aliens exist. Well, he hasn't yet, but he's going oh, to he's later going today. To? Yeah, okay. I also think... <laughs> just insane. I also think this scene here breaks up the monotony of the back and forth car, you know, like Kurtz mm-hmm, to yeah. Owen to Jonesy. Uh, we jump back to Jonesy and Gray. Gray has killed another guy. And taken a plow instead because apparently the patrol car didn't do so great. No snow tires. See him. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Gray has found a way now to, he shutters the windows with like these steel, God, what are the steel shutters? (laughs) With these. Um, Jesus. What? He he shutters shutters them with the the, the The steel shutters. What do you call them? Shutters. Uh, and on the inside is written, give up Jonesy, come out. And Jonesy thinks, I can break those open. I just got to break these. Ah, you son of a bitch. Mm. <laughs> Which 
And that was really funny. So he decides to try to manifest new ways to communicate. What better thing than a fax machine? <laughs> and manifests pencil, paper, and a fax machine so he can talk to people. I do like that Stephen King brought Black Beauties into the I mix. I did, yeah. And they're chewed up because they're beeves, which <laughs> I thought was fantastic. All right, Beave died a long time ago. Yes. Beave gets mentioned probably more than any other character for the entire book. Uh, For the dumbest reasons. Because everyone has to be like, I gotta gotta do a dumb cuss, just (laughs) like my good friend. Well, it's it's not even anybody else. It's pretty much just Gray, uh, which I love that that's what Gray fully thinks swear words are. He <laughs> thinks those are real ones that we all use because that's the <laughs> ones that Jonesy uses. Back at the uh, Cavell household, Roberta gives Henry all of Duddit's medication, which we found out that uh, Henry took care of his father when he was dying, so he knows all about doling out the, the right medications to someone who is terminally ill. And Owen. And, and he's... What, what? Wait, I thought... No. That was Owen, who his father, because Owen's father was sick and he took care of him and he was reassuring Roberta that he knew all about Percocet and everything else. And she looks into his mind to see if he's lying and he thinks, I'm glad I was telling the truth. And he's also reflecting, oh, this is a gift from her son and she probably doesn't even realize she's using it. I honestly thought that that whole thing was Henry and not Owen. Once again, I wish I remembered this part no. so I could settle. Uh, you guys, I was right about the last two ones because I, I went in the CM. book and you found were, it. I right def- about one of two. <laughs> I, I definitely believe <laughs> your, CM. Your average is 50%. So this one, when we go back, we'll find out if it's 75%. Our listeners aren't going to trust us anymore <laughs> because CM keeps throwing these conjectures out no, here. And being first, right most of the, the time. First the first one was my interpretation of what might be a possibility, which we've talked about a lot. And the second yeah, one... I, I hate it when my parents fight. <laughs> put, in your, put in your earbuds. <laughs> Roberta gives them all of Duddit's stuff, and in his stuff is a dream catcher that Beeve got him for Christmas, hmm. which I thought was really cute. They do send him Christmas gifts. Well, at least Beeve though- does. I fully believe Beaver is the only one that ever Aww. did. I think so. Yeah, you guys are probably right. Uh, but most importantly, Roberta brings the Scooby-Doo lunchbox because they've got some work to do now. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, like, I, I love that that's, that's Duddits' rallying cry. Mm-hmm. Is like he yeah. looks at everybody. He's like, we got some work to do now? <laughs> and they're like, fuck yeah, yeah. Duddits. <laughs> I was... I was sad when, and I guess Holly Gibney has like really made me appreciate this more because it's like she's the only character who got to say, I'm coming along. No, you're not. (laughs) Yeah, I am. (laughs) And she does. Yeah. So Roberta wants to go along too and they won't let her. And I I was really upset about that until Duddits was like, no, mom, it's not safe. You're safe here. I was like, okay. And then they hug and kiss goodbye. And I quote, her hands leaving her son for the last time. And then I just wrote, no, for three lines. The scene after this with her killed me. It was so about it. brutal. And and I love, there's just a turn of phrase, and I'm not going to get it right, but she describes like seeing the impression of his head on his pillow as being an unbearably cruel moment. And this whole scene with her going around his room, putting away his stuff, thinking about how I'll never have to pick up his clothes again, smelling his pillow seeing where he sat by the window. It was unbearably cool. Heartbreaking. It was so rough. And this is, Duddits knows something terrible is going to happen, 
and he still goes because mm-hmm. Duddit's a goddamn hero. Yeah. This is a great hero moment for him. Sadly, it's the only one he gets pretty much. But we'll get to that when we cover the end of it. I'm sorry, guys. I found it. Roberta, Henry began. Now he was looking at the clock, too. This is why you were confused. I'll take care of him, Owen said. I saw my pop through the uh, end of it. Because it. it goes from Henry to Owen. Got it. And it does that a lot, a lot in this it's book. so yeah. much. And the only reason I knew it was because I listened to it so many times. Because <laughs> I had to because of how Confusing. hard it is to follow. <laughs> All right. Two to one. Sam's in the lead. Now we have uh, Jonesy with nothing to do but sit in his office is kind of trying to piece together everything that happened. How did things become the way they became? Which is something else that's not explained. I know having a plot hole in this book is going to blow your mind. (laughs) He figures out that the first guy who birthed a shit weasel in the house probably got infected because he said he was lost in the woods and he was eating moss. Mm -hmm. So he ate some virus and that's how it got in him and it burst forth. Now, that makes sense. That's Mm -hmm. great. What is never explained and never is answered is how that guy and the lady who was in the middle of the road got to where they got. Because there's never anything about abductions in here. There's only the crashed spaceship. How did those two characters, how did he oh, lose all that time? I thought they just time? got lost. They, they were just lost in no, the woods. He, for that, guy, that guy thought he'd only been lost for three days. He'd been gone like a oh, week. Oh, that's right. And then that other lady was in the middle of the road with no tracks anyway in any direction. And when she saw oh, the lights, she said, they're back. Yeah. That is never touched on ever. I completely forgot those things happened. <laughs> and yep. Which is also what doesn't make the physical manifestation of these aliens make any sense. yeah because well okay there must have been oh there was a real spaceship yes there was a there were real gray aliens were well we don't know described what they look like no i don't think they are but like because the one that jonesy sees as we saw was just his imagination imagination. his x-files yes Uh, but yeah so that whole thing is what happened to those two is never actually explained anytime Mm -hmm. ever Moving on, Jonesy does conclude that he knows where their destination is. They're going to the Quabbin Reservoir so that uh, he can poison the water supply with the shit weasel that's in Lad, the uh, Border Collie, because that is the reservoir that leads to Boston's drinking water and several other cities along the way. And if he infects that many people, that's when it can be unstoppable. The, the story of the Russian lady could have and should have been a book on its own. It's kind of like a Colorado kid <laughs> yes. story. The story is that this person at a, what was it, a rest stop or a hotel or something, meets this Russian woman who comes in and asks for directions to the Quabbin Reservoir. She gives them, writes them down on a paper, gives it to this lady. A while later, some people go looking for her, and as they walk to this reservoir, they see this woman's clothes strewn about. And... They get closer and closer until they get to an intake vent or whatever. And they see that the metal uh, hatch has been opened and a message or a piece of paper that is just the directions to where she got. And that's the only clues of where she went or what she did or why or who she was. And all that the all that people say is that. Uh, people will be, Boston will be drinking that lady Ugh. by at the end Gosh. of the That was great. So gross. The, and this is it's like the Cecil Hotel. This is in here because Jonesy 
and his family took a tour of it and it came up. Someone else brought it up during mm-hmm. the tour. So he knows about the story. So now Mr. Gray does. So that's where he gets the idea to do this. The uh, uh, Before we get to what the, the face-off at the Quabbin Reservoir, we have a brilliant moment from Jonesy where he has to slow down Gray somehow. So he just keeps shouting bacon in his head and <laughs> it makes him pull over. And go into a store where he oh. gets all the fixings for a bacon sandwich and helps an old man clear his sinuses. <laughs> oh my god, that's a way to put it. <laughs> this is this might be one of the most brutal things I have read in a King yeah. book. It's very Bachman this moment. Oh my god, it is. It is super Bachman. Because like the cop, he takes over his body, but instead of making him bash his brains in on the counter or whatever. He makes him shove his own fingers up his nose and start (laughs) digging. (laughs) And he describes hearing cart. Just the thought. (laughs) Just the thought. The the thought of the feeling of your own. (laughs) It's it's horrible. It's It's horrible. Awful. But Jonesy at the lat, like as he's like going, Jonesy's like, no, leave the guy alone. And he suddenly is struck by such a hunger that he he pulls his control away and runs out to the parking lot and immediately starts eating raw bacon, which is what we were talking about yeah. earlier. This guy who has gaping holes in his nose after Jonesy then tries to pay him. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's that not a was, thief, man. That was unbearable, too, because I, I could understand that feeling of, like, no, just go. And he's like, nope, I always pay. And I tip. That was <laughs> fucking yeah, And then he tries to show that he's, like, such a great guy. He's like, <laughs> I tipped you $10. That's more than Jonesy would tip you. And then he leaves <laughs> to leave the guy staring at him through the door, hearing him in his head saying, it's almost alive. Not knowing if this lunatic is going to come back inside. Terrifying. Which he uh, then promptly throws up forever. Yes. uh, Which slows him down so everybody can catch up. They get to the Quabbin Reservoir in the order that the chase is happening because nothing (laughs) changed. Gray crashes the car and has to throw the border collie over his shoulder and hoof it. He has to, oh, though, he has to have a memory of Bible study. He has to pull from Jonesy's (laughs) brain to know how to carry a dog. It's one of those. Mr. Gray is not great at problem solving is what I'm saying. Well, he's never been a physical. Oh, that's a good point. Owen catches up to this crash site. And Duddit says that only Jonesy can stop Gray now because he's too far ahead. His eyes are now filled with blood and he's it's clear he's moments away from death. Henry gets into the back with him so we can tell him one last thing that he needs to call Jonesy. And he does. And uh, as we noticed when Jonesy remembered his time getting hit by the car, mm-hmm. that people he knew were taking care of him. Now, Roberta is the operator connecting this call mm-hmm which I thought was great. And they kind of, that's when they enter the, this dream catcher state. Meanwhile, inside Jonesy's head, the tracker brothers office is completely, it's starting to break apart and, and collapse in. And that's when a phone appears and it's Roberta. 
uh, saying that she's connected to them. And then suddenly Henry and Jonesy are now, they've been connected and kind of talking, but this is the first time they actually hear each other Mm -hmm. in real time. Henry tells them Jonesy needs to leave that office right now. They need to meet up because the two of them can meet up and they can take down Mr. Gray together. Gray manages to break into this. The shaft 12 is where this manhole is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, because they smartened up after a woman threw herself in it, they locked the door. So he uh, breaks the glass and he throws the dog through and he, he climbs through and grabs a crowbar and gets real judgmental about Jonesy's workout <laughs> routine or lack thereof. <laughs> he, he's, yeah, he is pretty fucked up, but I like that he's he. It, it, the way that that chapter break ends makes it like, oh, it's over from here. He's got mm-hmm. the crowbar. He's in the room. And when it cuts back, he's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> this guy needs to do some upper body like stat. I can't move this thing at all. Now, uh, jumping back, Kurtz has caught up with the abandoned Humvee that Owen parked and left behind. Duddits and Owen, Duddits and Henry, Henry enter this dream state. So before Owen leaves on foot to go track down Jonesy, he lays them both down in the back seat and then shoots out the windows. So it looks like he killed the two guys. And mm-hmm. since they're completely passed out and Duddits is covered in blood, he thinks if you just glance in, you'll see this, assume they're dead. And that's the only thing he can think of to keep them safe. Now that Gray is in full panic about not being able to lift this, He does uh, the only rational thing, puts the crowbar in and jumps up in the air to throw his whole Mm. body onto the crowbar and immediately breaks Jonesy's hip and just lets out a string of beaver curses, (laughs) (laughs) which is not at all tension breaking. (laughs) (laughs) And he realizes also, so he's opened it just far enough. But he has also realized that when he threw Ladin, it's all the way across the room. And now he has to crawl over to get the dog to try to shove this dog down the gap in the uh, the manhole. And he's been trying to keep the virus from exploding the dog. And now he doesn't have the energy to do that. And he can tell this dog is going to burst in any second. Meanwhile, Jonesy is sprinting through his own mind palace. He runs through the warehouse. Uh, past boxes that say Austro-Hungarian War, Departmental Politics, Children's Stories, and Contents of Upstairs Closet. Mm-hmm. Not important, but I am curious why the closet needed its own box. The door... I mean, you have to remember what's in your closet. I guess. Like, but does it need a whole box? <laughs> he runs through the door, and now he's in the ICU. Sympathy for the Devil is playing over the PA, because we haven't gotten enough of that song. And that's when both of them... Find out that their body, they're in their 14-year-old bodies again. And this is when we come to the realization. Duh, we've been hearing it all fucking book. Jonesy's immune to the virus. So there's no reason this possession ever should have happened. And it's uh, a ghost in the machine scenario. Which is, say it with me, dumb. Dumb. See, I thought it was fun. (laughs) No, I I liked it. It's fine. It's just so cheesy. It's so it's such an identity ending. You know, you ever seen the movie Identity? It has like the worst twist ending of all time. I won't spoil it because it's really crazy and stupid. But like the the second they're like, Mister Gray isn't real. I was just rolled my eyes so hard I hurt myself. 
See, and I, I guess I was still holding on to at this point that he wasn't real in terms of something physical, whether the full alien as Jonesy saw him initially mm-hmm. or the red dust virus. I thought he this was just sort of another level of his his being. It just wasn't like physical and tangible. Okay. But I according to Henry at the end in the epilogue, that's not the case. My yeah. question though, is this all Duddits's fault? No. Okay. Here's why. Because Duddits is who is essentially responsible for amplifying the powers they all had. If Duddits had not empowered Jonesy with their connection, would this situation have happened to Jonesy? Because would, there wouldn't have been a typhoid Mary. Yeah. Would it. would Jonesy have just been infected like anybody else? Yeah, they all would have just been killed. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess. So yeah, Duddits it is killed his... all those people. No, because no, they would have died anyway. anyway. No, like the. the oh, the people the along the way. Guy, the... Oh, okay. <laughs> No, I just, it's just something that I, I don't know because we don't See? know what Jonesy's powers were and actually even what they are because it's very unclear. That's why I like my I theory wonder. better than Henry's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it, it doesn't make this all moot. doesn't make it all pointless. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of how it all ends up. Yeah. Uh, they burst into the room that is covered in virus and on the TV screen where Jonesy originally watched Sympathy for the Grey Boys... Uh, is now what is in real time happening. Lad being dragged to the manhole cover and gray is in bed looking terrified. So Jonesy holds his arms down and Henry smothers him with a pillow. Keep in mind, they're 14. (laughs) (laughs) If the, if the visual isn't disturbing enough, imagine Mm -hmm. two 14 year old boys smothering uh, a dying gray man. (laughs) This is when we find out also, I laughed and I wish I hadn't. The dog won't fit. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> this poor dog. The dog won't fit down the hole, guys. It's almost like every single step of the way, this shitty alien species was <laughs> not meant to survive. Uh, kind of like Tommy Knocker. Yeah. yeah. The moral of the story is just do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Jonesy at this point says, fuck it, takes a remote control and breaks it like a beer bottle and slashes Gray's throat. Gray has just one last moment to think, wish I would have gone native before he dies. Yeah, because Jonesy was like, hey, man, you can have all the bacon and sex that you want. Just (laughs) let's just be in this together. Eat my bacon and sleep with my wife. I'm begging you. (laughs) With Gray dead. Uh, and Duddit's now dying, the connection fades away, and they go back to their own bodies, essentially. Jonesy's left to deal with the shit weasel. Uh, he he looks up and he sees Owen standing there, looking obviously confused, <laughs> uh, holding his, uh, his M5 rifle. And Jonesy grabs the weasel, throws it, and then tells Owen to shoot it. This is so interesting, too, because... Henry or Owen leaves Henry and Duddits in part because he knows that Henry will try to save Jonesy and that might not be a good idea. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do what's necessary and not mm-hmm. even think about it or hesitate or ask questions. And he definitely doesn't do what he says he's going to do. <laughs> he stands just frozen. He yeah. can't pull off the shot. He can't kill either of them. Uh, and yeah, up to this point, Owen had not seen any aliens, right? 
No, he had been there in the operation to shoot all of them. Mm-hmm. But he hadn't seen the He hadn't virus. seen the shit weasel. Uh, Henry wakes up and gets a chance to say goodbye to Duddits, and he hears uh, I love you, Annie, in his head, and I thought that was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's when Duddits was going to die. Nope, Duddits has got one more thing to do. He jumps into Owen's body, basically, and pulls off the shot that he can't. Uh, so Duddits gets to uh, to take the credit for that final kill. We never talked about how shitty it is that in this Dreamcatcher state, mm-hmm. Duddits goes to play cribbage in Josie's or in Jonesy's room, and he just talks normal and is quote unquote normal, and it is so reductive and like dismissive of people with disabilities because it's like oh well thank god in here he's okay he's ideal yeah 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 yes yes Yes. it's god's tom god's tom which is just as problematic here as it was or nick being able to hear when nick can can talk in here which is and i talked about this i've talked about this to someone else about the casting people if, mm-hmm. that are appropriate for those roles and because king writes these moments it makes it so you can't cast someone because they have to perform this god's tom mm. version of that character and it's a real waste yeah because there are many talented actors mm-hmm. who could play these roles saw it in kingdom hospital oh mm-hmm. yeah absolutely kingdom hospital uh our favorite story our, our favorite show american horror story uh, has a, an actor mm-hmm. th- in several of those seasons. Like, they're there. Those actors are there and can do these roles, but because these moments happen, you can't do it. Uh, but going back to that, the best part of that scene is finding out that Duddits does know how to play cribbage, yep. and he was playing it wrong I do on purpose. Love that. I also love that Pete pissed him off once, so he always <laughs> made Pete lose <laughs> some of the games. Yeah. <laughs> Owen realizes they still have Kurtz left to deal with. They've they've stopped this threat, but Kurtz is still out there. Then Owen takes three shots to the gut, side of the head, and chest. Mm, that made me sad, because I like Owen. Yeah. Kurtz kneels down to taunt him one last time, and that's when Freddy shoots him in the back of the head. Good move, buddy. Why didn't he do that before he shot Owen? <laughs> yeah. Jerk. Freddy. Well, why would I mean, Freddy care about saving Owen? Uh, yeah, Freddy is just mercenary. Yeah. He's just there to be... You know what it reminded me of? The Wire. <laughs> I haven't seen The Wire. Oh, god damn it. He, he's he's Marlo Stanfield to Kurtz's uh, Avon Barksdale slash yep, Stringer Bell. Sure. Trust me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he just, he just murders Kurtz and is like, that dude was crazy, so I'm out. Yeah, he was gonna kill me anyway. He, uh, he would have made here. a good replacement, <laughs> doing the tough job. <laughs> Back at the Humvee, Freddy's getting in to leave, and he sees that Pearly has shit out a shit weasel. And before he can do anything, the shit weasel rips off the side of his face, hmm. tears open his jugular, and tears off his junk. Were you guys really judgmental about everybody in that vehicle not being terrified? Of the poop yeah, weasel? Yeah, but then I, th- then I was like, well, we know what it can do, and Henry and Jonesy saw it attack so we know it's vicious maybe they haven't actually seen it in action yet so they don't know they're in danger like every second if that thing pops out they've been told by a pearl mutter hey this thing's eating my guts by (laughs) the way well and i thought it was going to be like a everybody forgets about this one and it does make it Mm. in yeah I i was waiting for that moment where it would you know 
when you least expect it, it comes back. Henry uses a rifle to shoot the Humvee and it blows up because it's uh, an action movie. Um, <laughs> for a second, well, it has they, explosives for in it, a second, oh, they yeah, there's ammunition it. in the back. They lampshade it for a second because he fires a bunch of rounds <laughs> into the side and it just like shoots up a car and he's like, oh, I guess that doesn't. And then he dumps it and blows up. <laughs> he sets off and find the, finds Jonesy still alive, still with a broken ass mm. hip. Now we jump to the epilogue, which is Labor Day. Uh, we find out that Henry lost two of his fingers to frostbite and that the military still drops in to check on him every once in a while. They were detained for six weeks and debriefed. And Jonesy ended up needing a fully new hip, which was going to happen sooner or later with everything that he went through. And that his memories of his time sharing a brain with Gray have faded as fast as a dream does. Mm. Which, good for him, I guess. Yeah. This whole epilogue to me was just Jonesy and Henry going, so wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) This whole epilogue read as King's editor's handing the book back and being like, none of this shit makes sense. And he's like, okay, (laughs) I'll fix it with a cookout. I literally, the moment after that hip surgery, my next note is, and that's where the epilogue stops making sense. Because that's when they they try to get all of these, the information they gathered while they were detained, and like, this Mm -hmm. is what they've pieced together, which still doesn't solve some of the larger plot holes and everything, and also doesn't address that everything that Jonesy slash Gray did was inside Jonesy. I thought of that. T- well, but he never touched any anyone. No, I mean. So like the murders. Gray couldn't have done those brutal murders if those didn't exist in Jonesy. Yes. So Jonesy's a monster. Well, and, but mean, it does draw the on like. Same thing with Thad from the dark mm-hmm. half. All, yeah. Everything that George Stark did was inside of True. him. Mm-hmm. But he got real sad about it. And these guys are just like. Cool. Let me hold the baby and drink a beer. Yeah. But it does say that it's basically it basically pins it on his love of horror movies. The reason he brutalized so many people. I take offense. Yeah. Right. Just because I have watched the horror movie doesn't mean I'm going to run a woman's eye through a wood splinter. Oh, good reference. Thanks. (laughs) At the very end, though, they see the line together and that's kind of where it ends. (laughs) That is as anticlimactic as an ending as this book deserves, I think. (laughs) I don't know what the goal of... I mean, I get that the goal of seeing the line means that they still have... Something. Something. But they also also had that something anyway. Well, they say that Duddits gave it to him. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like something that they already had that he enhanced. Yeah, it was a gift from Duddits. Yeah. So that's that's a dream catcher. (laughs) <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you guys want to um, talk about? Well, your, your question from earlier, CM. Uh, yes. It was, what would happen, what would the book be like if Jonesy and Henry, Henry switched Just because places? of Henry's suicidal ideations. Yeah, because it, it's interesting that the suicidal character has to continue li- living just on the adrenaline of survival instinct, basically. Mm-hmm. While it turns out that the non-suicidal character tries to end the world because Mr. Gray doesn't exist. That was just Jonesy. Yeah, so if it had been Henry. My my theory is nothing would have been different. I think Jonesy was suicidal. Really? 
Yes. Uh, not consciously, maybe, but I think it was just a a manifestation of Jonesy's depression. Because all of the other characters, we knew way more about why their lives were bad. Mm -hmm. Jonesy was just like, he has a family and he's sad a little. I think this was the way of showing that just because someone is outwardly mm -hmm. doing fine inside he is suffering just as much as his friends and his way uh took the form of an alien invasion i really like that because it's mentioned that they all look to him as the one who can be happy and has it together and kind of has to be happy for all of them mm -hmm. which is a lot to put on one it's, person yeah all right should we go around and rate this bad boy for sure yeah Man, I have so many feelings about whether I, I... I don't know how I feel about this book because there are things that are interesting to talk about and there are interesting things to discuss. But in the end, I, I feel like it is... It's nonsense <laughs> for a vast majority of it. It's definitely a wild ride. I'm gonna have to give it two out of five blue chambray shirts. Nothing you just said was incorrect. <laughs> and believe it or not, I do really listen to how you guys rate things mm. to inf also inform my rating, too, even though I know you think it's always the same. I could see myself reading this again in a few years and not understanding more of it mm. again, but I could also fall down a like online rabbit hole of people theorizing and trying to you know, like fanfic their way through plot holes. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a testament to just overall kind of the quality of King's work in general and the worlds that he builds, that even something with as many problems as a book like Dreamcatcher, you're still intrigued by it and, and maybe want to follow that path somewhere. So I think if it weren't for that fact, it would be tougher. But for me, I'm gonna give it five out of five blue chambray shirts. Of course you are. This is an interesting book. Is it a good book? No, not particularly. Is it a fun read? I would say yes. Uh, I enjoyed this book in a way I don't enjoy some of the other lesser king. Like, I mean, we just did Cell. And mm -hmm. it. I would say quality-wise, these are maybe of similar quality. But this one is just so crazy that uh, I had a lot of fun just going, just trying to figure out this book. It's like a puzzle. It's, <laughs> it's a puzzle with a bunch pieces. of pieces missing. <laughs> that said, I can also see myself going back to this in a few years and having the exact same reaction I had to Tommyknockers, which the first time I read it, really liked it. The second time I read it, it just annoyed me. So... Do we do? I know I've done half no shirts. In the, no halfsies. I've done half shirts in the past, and you guys yelled at me. So yep. <laughs> I'm gonna go gut and say four blue chambray shirts with an asterisk. <laughs> asterisk may change later. <laughs> well, isn't that the beauty of our rating system? It can always change. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm. That's the furthest I think we've been apart on a book. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Wow. And that is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next episode where we will be watching the movie Dreamcatcher. For Joshua Khan and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander, reminding you, every Dreamcatcher was also a trap. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. 
Thank you for listening to episode three of Dreamcatcher. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again to Lisa Khan for her pick and also our sponsor, Old World Style Beard and Skin Care. These are handmade and completely natural ingredients, nothing in any product that you can't spell or pronounce. We love their products and we have been using them throughout this whole book, which has been about a month. And we are still enjoying them, still noticing the benefits. If you haven't already, check out their website, oldworldbeardandskin.com. Use the promo code DPR10 for 10% off your order and try them out. Because you care about what gets absorbed into your skin, and so does Old World Style Beard and Skin Care. Before I let you go with an outtake, here is the haiku for Dreamcatcher. An upskirt photo creates a group of best friends. Aliens beware. Tina Jean Sloshing, <laughs> damn it, Slossing, Schlossinger. Okay, Tina Jean Sloshing. Nope, Schlossinger. 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 That had been her name, and supposedly there had been a picture of her here, a picture of her holding her skirt. A picture. <laughs> Jesus, what is what this? is happening? I can't even look ahead because I'm trying so hard to say the name. So you. So you could see her pussy. And how many adolescent boys had been caught by such a dream? <laughs> That's not the real one. But I, really I want hate to make you, you for making me go through that. <laughs> what did I do to you during this book? <laughs> That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye. <laughs>